When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King. Rule the day. This is NoBS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1688. I'm your host, Jeff Often the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. This is a longer show today. It's an interview that I did in late November with Thea Kelly about mistakes people make on their interviews. She and I had good rapport, good chemistry. It's a fun interview and I think quite useful. It's about 30 minutes long, I would say. Hope you find it helpful. Hope you enjoy it as well. Hope you give the show a thumbs up in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the show. Give it a great review and a thumbs up. It does help other people discover this show. And I know you want to help other people. It just doesn't take much. And by the way, you can also share it. Share it to your Facebook page or uh, Twitter or LinkedIn. Again, it helps other people discover the show. And with that, let's get going. Hi, this is Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter. And you're either watching Job Search TV or listening to this as nobsjobsearchadvice.com. Let's call that No BS Job Search Advice Radio. Every once in a while, I, I mess up the intro. I like to spend some time daily providing great information about job search because I frankly believe it doesn't have to be that hard, difficult, painful, or take as long as it does. It's just the skills needed to find a job are different than those needed to do a job. And for those of you who've been with me for a while, you've noticed that periodically what I'm doing this year is bringing in guests to interview them about job hunting and different elements. And today, Thea Kelly. Ta-da! Thea's a job search and interview coach based in, San, in the San Francisco Bay Area, working with job hunters nationwide. She has a book out. It's an Amazon bestseller called Get That Job, The Quick and Complete Guide to a winning interview that was hailed as excellent on Forbes.com. Now, she's going to have a couple of promos uh, for you at the end of the show. If there's a point where you go, I've got to go do something else, forward to the end, pick up the information from her about how to subscribe, uh, how to get some of the gifts that she has, so this way you don't lose out. The uh, welcome. Jeff. We had such a nice time chatting about the show a while back when we were planning it, so I'm really jazzed to be here talking with you again. And we're going to have another good time today. Yeah. How did you become a coach? How did you wind up going into this field? Well, back at the beginning of the big recession in 2008, I was working as a corporate trainer, and I got laid off. 
And uh, before that, I had, I had been working with job seekers before in various other jobs. But at some point, I wound up as a corporate trainer. I got laid off because it was a real estate-related business, and I feel like I'm going too long. Anyway, to, to, uh, to keep me going, while I was looking for a job, I started writing some resumes. And then I thought, well, I like this a lot better than I liked my job. I'm just going to keep doing this. And uh, so it's been... Gosh, 10 years I've been in my own business now, and there were like another 10 years before that that I was working with various agencies like Lehak Harrison and Jewish Vocational Services and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking about ways that people shoot themselves in the foot on their interviews. Because Lord knows, I, I've seen it a million times. And I've gotten the debriefs after someone does an interview when I was still doing search. And I'm he hearing all the stories mm -hmm. from people, um, from my, my clients that were telling me about, you know what this imbecile did? <laughs> <laughs> and we've all been that imbecile at one time or another. Never you? me. Oh, no. <laughs> no me. I was never 20 years old looking for a job. Not me no. either. <laughs> no, I was perfect. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the ways that people shoot themselves in the foot. What's okay. the first one we're going to talk about? Well, let's start with money, Jeff. Oh, money. So don't throw it away. And there, is a, there are a couple ways that people throw money away in an interview. And the first thing they do that, that really messes it up is destroying their negotiating position by not having a good answer to the question, what are your salary expectations? And that's one of the first questions they hit you with. Very often that happens in the phone screening, right? And that's when there's beginning the negotiation. Right. And, and, and job hunters don't recognize that. Yeah. No, they don't. No. So when you're asked about your expectations, the first thing you want to do is put it back on them and say, can you tell me what the range is that's budgeted for the position? And in certain states, they're legally required to tell you, although don't get hung up on that because if they forget what the law is, you don't want to confront them about it. But usually, uh, a lot of times they will tell you the range. Then what you want to do is not commit to that range, but sound generally positive. So you say, well, that sounds like a good ballpark. And I'm sure that once we decide this is a fit, we're going to be able to agree on a compensation package that's fair. Excellent. And, and I know I'm an East Coast guy. Uh, I came out of the New York area where the law is you can't ask the question about current compensation. And a lot of the firms uh, in the New York area have, whether they're interviewing someone in New York or interviewing someone in Iowa, they've all stopped asking the question about current compensation. Yeah. Because phone numbers, which used to be one of the determinants of where someone lives, uh -huh. aren't valid anymore because we all have mobile phones. Right. And so, I, I hope that they won't ask you that question. But if they do, again, you want to sort of switch it back to, um, well, I, we're just getting started now. Uh, you're learning about me. I'm learning about the position. Um, can I ask you what is the range for the position, if you haven't already asked that? Uh, and then give the best ballpark answer. Now, if they happen to come back with, well, we don't really have a range, or, you know, I, what I'm really looking for is what you want, or they somehow dodge the question, then a good way to answer that is to say something like, well, I've been looking around online, I've been talking to people, and I'm seeing salaries anywhere from blank to blank, and give them a well-researched and fairly broad range, but then go on to say, and I'm sure that once we agree this is a fit, we'll be able to agree on something that's fair. So you notice, even in giving them a range, you're not saying 
I expect something in this range. You're just saying, this is what I'm seeing out there. And I'm sure we'll be able to agree on something that's fair. And I'm, that's and if I'm you one, have to say something more specific. And I'm wondering if you might just add in a phrase along the lines of, and I, when I'm looking at that low end of the range, I'm seeing people more junior than myself. So I don't see myself as being a low end of the range kind of woman, a low end of the range kind of guy. I see myself yeah. more at mid to upper level of this. Uh, and we can, as you said, sort that out as we go further along. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Yeah. Because that closes off them saying, oh, 150 to two and a quarter. We can get them for 150. Okay. Right. Absolutely. Good, good. Or, or you know, don't even tell them that low end that you saw that wouldn't work for you. So either or both of those approaches. And by the way, one of the uh, free gifts that you mentioned, Jeff, is uh, a salary um, uh, how to answer the salary question and infographic. So it just walks you through what I just said about what to say if they say this, what to say if they say that. Excellent. Excellent. Got that commercial in, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, I want people to know what kind of tools they can get. You know, it's really handy to have these little tools like that. You betcha it is. Yeah. So we've covered the first one of our nine ways. Yes. So what's number two? Okay. Uh, so number two is don't give standard answers that you heard on, on a podcast or saw online. So anything I tell today, don't go, oh, that's exactly what I'm going to say. Maybe with the exception of the, the uh, what, what are you looking for salary-wise. That one you can be a little formulaic. But the questions that are really about you, um, never just give an answer because you found it online and it sounds good. You want to really be authentic and at the same time strategic. And authentic and strategic are what I call the yin and yang of a good interview. You've got to be real. You've got to be yourself, but you want to be your best self, and you want to be proactively selling yourself for the job. Um, and I think one thing that really helps you be authentic is uh, if you're trying to figure out how you would answer a certain question, start with what I call the best friend answer. Go ahead and start, you know, think of it, not in the interview, but ahead of time, say out loud what you would say if you were just telling your best friend the answer, and then look at what you said and kind of edit it, polish it, strategize a little bit, but start from that actual core of what it really is for you. And just say it in a way that conveys sincerity. Uh, right. Because one of the things that firms evaluate for, particularly the more, the more senior you are, are the emotional intelligence qualities. Yeah. And thus the idea that you want to sound sincere. Right. And, you and want one to, of the best ways to sound sincere is to be sincere. Right. If you go in and you're very phony, they're not going to trust you. They're going to be like, I can't put my finger on it, but I just don't know who that guy is. I just don't feel comfortable with him. And they know how to smell BS because they've smelled it way too many times. <laughs> yeah. So no BS interviewing. Hey. Not be strategic. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And, you know, on the one hand, there's the idea of being authentic. Yeah. And, the, and on the other side, what was the other part of that? Strategic. I just want, strategic. Yeah. And, yeah. and be, how do they Remember act? why you're there. You're not there to chit chat and smooth. You're there to make it very clear why you're going to do a great job in that job. Super. So we've got the money question so far. We've got the um, authentic versus strategic 
scenario and right. how to how to convey yourself well in answering questions. What's number three? Okay, three is don't shoot yourself in the foot when you're asked a question about some kind of negative or sensitive subject, mainly negative subjects. Like, these would, like I hate my boss. You're not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. And sometimes they'll even ask, tell me about your past boss or what, what was it, what, your past boss, what were, were his or her greatest strengths and weaknesses? Um, and that's when you have to remember that uh, every question is an opportunity for you to sell yourself for the interview. Um, and so you, I, I have an ABC a tool I just made up this morning preparing for this. Yeah. Um, with regard to negative questions, you want to do A, B, C. A is analyze. So why are they asking this? What are they trying to learn about you? So let's say they've asked, you know, what are the strengths and weaknesses of your previous boss? What they're looking for here is, are you discreet? Did you have a good relationship with your boss? Are you able to work well with a variety of different personalities? They're looking for emotional intelligence here. Um, and so your answer would be, uh, say something positive about your boss. Even if they're a terrible boss, chances are there's something positive you can say. Uh, let's say you had a boss who micromanaged you to pieces and had a tendency to yell now and then. Uh, you could say my boss was very passionate about his work and about excellence. And um, uh, I really wouldn't want to go to what his, what his weaknesses were. That's not for me to say, but we were able to do some great work together. And I'm looking forward to telling you about some of the things that we achieved. Sweet. Nice way to dance off the weaknesses. <laughs> right. So that was the A. You analyze what are they trying to find out here and address it. B is brevity. Anytime you need to say anything about anything negative. Now, in this answer, you didn't even say anything negative because it's about somebody else. But let's say the question is, what are your weaknesses? Or let's say the question is, why have you been unemployed for the last year? Okay, you're being on unemployed for the last year or having a gap in your resume or not having a certain skill or experience that they are hoping you have, that is a negative. So when you talk about the negative part of it, keep it super brief. So don't be like, you know, a whole big story about why you haven't worked in a year. Make it just something very brief like um, uh, 50 positions were eliminated from my uh, company and one of them was mine. Uh, and after taking care of some personal business and also taking some long-awaited time off to go see the world, uh, I started looking for not just any job, but the right job. Um, so, yes, you know, you are admitting the negative, which is that you were laid off. But you're keeping that part super brief and going into positives. So keep it brief. And I was going to get to C, unless you no, want to okay. add anything. No, 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 that's okay. Because I'm trying to keep it brief. C is circle the negatives with positives. And I was doing that in the examples I gave also. Yeah. I was going to say surround them with positives, but I wanted to make it a C, right? <laughs> I don't know which of these is correct for you out there in podcast uh, land. Uh, your right hand was correct. Okay, C for cir and circle. Circle those negatives with positives. So, for instance, if they ask you uh, what are your weaknesses, you might say, um, uh, while I am very, very good at X, that's like the main part of the job, um, I'm currently working on building up my skills in Y, the part that you're a little weak on, and here's what I'm doing about that is Z, and that's, again, going back to positives. So, A, B, C, analyze 
what they're looking for, B, keep it brief, and C, circle it with positives. And I'm a believer that most answers to questions should be kept to about a minute to a minute 15. I agree. Attention span, we live in an ADHD culture, and no <laughs> one listens for very long. As such, the goal is if you can keep it to a minute, minute 15 in total, and especially on a, neg uh, on a negative topic, a weaknesses yeah. area, an invitation to criticize, shorter. 40 seconds, because that gets you off the hook faster. Or less. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right so on. We've got three covered. What's number four? Let me see. Oh, yeah. So speaking of being brief, um, don't be a rambling man or a rambling woman. That may be fine for an Almond Brothers song, but it's not too good in an interview. So um, this is one of the most common problems that people come to me with as an interview coach. Almost everybody tends to wander a little. And so first thing is have a little bit of a plan about how you're going to answer any common question that you can anticipate they're going to ask. Uh, if you know that you're going to need to mention uh, this, that, and the other thing, having mapped out what those three things are and kind of gotten that in your head, then when they ask the question, you know, just hit those three things and don't wander off into other stuff. Um, another way is if you do find uh, that you're wandering in your answer and that it's getting long, uh, just stop yourself at some point and say, um, but I'm getting too much in the weeds here. Long story short is, or to get to the essence of it, feel free to interrupt yourself like that and then just get right to the point. Um, and if I could give one more tip on being brief, um, know how you're going to end your answers. A lot of times people have trouble ending an answer because they're like, uh, what do I say at the end? Do I just like stop? No, it's you want to have an ending like uh, where you either refer back to the question, blah, de, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And so that's, I think, my greatest accomplishment at my current role. Um, or, and my version is I signal. I teach people to signal the end uh -huh. of the answer. I think yeah. of the way most people speak is, is having a musical tone. Uh -huh. So and it's funny. I was listening for your version of this, and it's the slight downward note. Yeah. Uh, so, so the classic criticism of the Valley Girl is that everything ended in an up, and there are people who just talk that way. And you don't want to do that because it makes it sound like you, you're just not really very sure of yourself. Right, and that's how it gets interpreted, whether true or not. So, yeah. as you heard me, and true or not. I went in yeah. a downward note. And that's right. often the signal to people that the, the answer is done with. There you go. And uh, one more thing on that, we can, you can refer back to the question to kind of wrap it up. Or another thing is you can refer forward to if you were to join their company. So you can say, and that is my uh, greatest accomplishment at my current role. And I wonder if you maybe have a project involving blah de blah that I just spoke about. Sweet. So you can, yeah. Yeah, because the idea wherever you can is to tie the bow with what they need. Yeah. And to just check in with them to make sure that this was something that they were, that they could use. Right. And so all the things we just talked about, by the way, are things that you need to not just hear once and then go to the interview. You need to practice doing these things, either with a friend or on your own or with a coach, you know, so that you've got the experience of wrapping up an answer or using the downward tone like that. It's funny. One of the things I tell job hunters is 
great athletes all practice, right? Steph practices. He's on the court seven days a week. LeBron is on the court seven days a week. And great entertainers all rehearse. And job hunters go on interviews. And the first time the words ever come out of their mouth are at the interview. And they wonder why they don't deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing those people do that most people don't realize is they do also mental practice. They, They don't just go out and practice on the court with a real basketball. They will also practice... Uh, in their mind, shooting the ideal, very difficult shot that maybe they have trouble with and doing it perfectly. And that way they're programming themselves to do that thing perfectly. So think about that. Imagine before your interview, imagine the interview and imagine it all going really well, just the way you want it to. Imagine being calm and confident and you'd be surprised what a difference that can make. Mental tennis. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, Tim Galway, the inner game of tennis. Yeah, Bingo. that stuck with me too. Was that number four or number five that we just did? That was four. That's what I thought. Number five. Number five is a biggie. And even though I'm burying it in the whole middle there, it's a biggie. And that is be proactive about your messaging. Don't just go to the interview and hope they'll ask you the right questions. You have to go there knowing what it is you especially want to get across. And what you especially want to get across, part of it, is what's unique and special about you. So you need to somehow identify what are your, what I call key selling points uh, or your brand. What is it about you that's gonna make you stand out from the other people? And that can be a hard thing to figure out. Um, And I actually, the first chapter of my interview book is about that. And one of the free gifts is a free report on how to figure out what makes you stand out and emphasize that in the interview. And one way that you emphasize it, by the way, in the interview is by making sure that your answer to that very first question, that tell me about yourself or walk me through your background, or even why are you interested in this job, your answer needs to um, bring out the top two or three or maybe four things about you that make you stand out from the competition. Nice. I know the way I coach people. is I work with the assumption that most job descriptions are 80% accurate. Because what usually happens is someone gives notice and the hiring manager calls to HR and says, you got that job description we used to hire Thea? Yeah, she just gave notice. Could you get that out to you know, our, our, our sources right now and see what we can turn up? And no one ever updates it. I've confirmed this so many times with different huh. people I've coached. So the first thing I tell people to do is to say, hey, thanks so much for reaching out to me. You know, I recall the position description or I'm curious why you reached out to me. Could you give me a sense of the role you're recruiting for? That's a great question. And what I can do to help so they can hear the thinking about the job. And thus when they say, tell me about yourself and what you've been doing or walk me through your background, what they're able to, to do is start off with what I consider the 20 second synopsis of their experience. Um, I've been in the field now for X number of years. For the last five years, I've worked for so-and-so. I've done this and that. Before that, I worked for so-and-so doing this. But what's probably most relevant in my background for this role is is my experience with. And people tell me in person when they use that phrase, it's like they notice like a dog's ears perk up. 
Scooby. Uh-huh. They had the, they had uh-huh. the Scooby ears. Uh, uh-huh. For Excellent. those of you who are too young to be relevant to Scooby Doo cartoon character, Scooby would wind up. I think that. I think that that's that's just become part of the culture. You know, you don't have to have actually watched Scooby Doo cartoons. Just making sure. You know, don't <laughs> want, so the idea is as quickly as possible to tie the bow to show how you're special. That's I agree very with true. Hold on. That's very true. And to sort of bring together what I said and what you said, um, you need to know what's special about you and you need to know what they're looking for and find the common elements between the two. Uh, And that question of, you know, uh, what are you really looking for or what's your top priority for the job? um, You want to ask that before they even get the chance to say, tell me about yourself. So try to slip that in right about when the small talk is drawing to a close and say, uh, well, thank you very much for inviting me to interview. And I wonder if I could ask you a quick question before we start. And then you ask that question that you just mentioned, Jeff, about, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about what's really most important in this role? Or I've read the job description, but I was just wondering if in your own words, you could tell me what, what do you really need? So yeah, really both tight. those things, very important. I, I see we have a lot of common approaches, even though we're on opposite yeah. coast. Number six, <laughs> I believe it is. <laughs> Number okay. six. <laughs> Number six. Oh, yes. A related point is don't wait till the end to ask questions. The best interviews, and by which I mean the ones most likely to get you the job, are the ones that turn into a conversation rather than simply being a question answer, question answer sort of interrogation because a conversation is so much more comfortable for both parties. And so everybody gets to shine a little more and show a little more of who they really are. So here's some examples. First of all, that question before things even start. Then another thing is uh, when you're asked a question that you could give a better answer if you knew a little bit more about the background of the question, So try asking them, um, saying, I'd love to answer that. And before I do, I wonder if I could ask you, are you more interested in the X aspect or the Y? Or can you tell me a little bit about uh, what that looks like here in this company? And then their answer is going to probably help you be able to give a much better answer. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, and so that helps turn it into more of a conversation or, or you could um, at the end of your answer, you could say, go ahead and answer it and then say, um, uh, is there anything more you'd like to know about that? Or, or uh, how does that relate to how you do things here? Or I read online that, that you do blah, blah, blah in this, this particular methodology. And I'm wondering how that relates to what I just said or something like that. Yeah, the idea is to get them talking. <clears throat> yeah, get a dialogue. Because yeah. if, if they are sitting <clears throat> up high on, on the cushion, looking down as the sultan, or I'm not sure what a female sultan would be called, um, I don't know either. Maybe there weren't any. I'm not aware of female sultans. I just knew about uh-huh. sultans. If they're sitting <laughs> up high on the pillow, looking down upon the supplicant, well, yeah. there's a power differential. And yeah. the idea is to level the playing field as much as you can, turning yeah. it into, into conversation. Uh, yeah. Because suddenly there's a point where the more they start talking, you'll notice they're liking you more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and asking good questions is a skill and they will be, and it makes you, it shows that you're interested. Mm-hmm. It shows that you really, you want to know all about the company you want to learn. You know, uh, they may remember that you ask good questions more than they even remember what your answers were. Agreed. Yep. Is this number seven? 
We're up to number seven. Yeah, seven, be specific. So one of the most common <clears throat> problems that I hear in the people that I work with is being vague, <clears throat> giving answers that are generalities. So when they're asked uh, about their experience doing this or that, you know, they talk very high level. Um, or um, when they're asked, what's your approach to, to doing something, they'll say, my approach is, but they don't offer an example. So one of the best ways to be uh, specific is to add examples. Quantities are also valuable. Uh, if you can, when you're talking about what you did, talk about the results and quantify the results. Because if you say that uh, I came up, uh, I, I implemented Salesforce at our company and that really uh, improved efficiency or improved sales, well, do you mean just a teeny bit? Or do you mean a lot? You know, so try to give an approximate number. Honestly, this is another one of those things where you want to be authentic. Don't make something up. If you really don't have the number, then describe it with an adjective instead, dramatically or significantly or by a pretty good amount or, you know, just at least give a sense of how much. And stories. Then we should Mon get on to stories. Money saved, money earned, okay. percentage improvement. Yeah. Right. If you're in a role that can't be quantified in, in those ways, a call center is always my classic example of this. Uh -huh. You know, I handled 14% uh, more calls than uh, comparable people in my office. Right. You know, right. Some numerical measure because business is the language of numbers. It is. It is. And, and then if, you, if you're like in HR, for instance, sometimes numbers don't always come into your work. Uh, try and give instead feedback anecdotal make maybe quote somebody like do you remember something really powerful that the ceo said to you about your initiative did he say um this is the transformation i've been trying to make happen for the past 10 years thank you for doing this you know you could literally quote that and it really makes your answer more specific and interesting and memorable excellent yeah what, what are we up to now is it eight Okay, um, eight, yeah, be ready to prove your, your soft skills and your emotional intelligence. So, so many of the other things you're gonna talk about in the interview are, are technical skills of one sort or another. It's how to do the job, you know, how to uh, manage the project, how to write the code, how to um, add up the figures. Um, but they're also looking for somebody who has good emotional intelligence. And this means things like self-awareness, um, social skills, communication skills, empathy. So there's no use claiming these things. There's no use just saying, uh, I have a lot I'm of I'm a really empathy. empathetic person. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, anybody can say that. Everybody thinks that about themselves. So when it comes to things like that, you need to kind of prove it. One way you can prove it is by demonstrating it on the spot by showing empathy toward everybody you run into in the interview. And that doesn't mean getting all mushy-gushy about it. You know, if the person says, oh, I'm having a hectic day, you don't need to say, oh, is that hard for you? <laughs> You're not being a therapist. But you do need to say, uh, <laughs> but if they say they're having a crazy day, you can say, oh, I know. But you're, so it seems like you're keeping on top of it, huh? Or, or uh, uh, whoa, that sounds challenging. Just, just a simple little thing that shows you're listening. Um, empathy can also be a matter of uh, being patient when there's an interruption. 
especially, you know, when you're at the front desk and you're first arriving there and the receptionist is too busy to Im immediately get to you, you know, by, by looking relaxed about it and, and realizing, hey, she's got a lot on her hands right now or he has a lot on his hands, um, they're going to get a good vibe about you. And really it counts what everybody in the place thinks about you because you never know who the interviewer is going to ask. You know, what do you think of that person? I've had clients ask the driver who would bring someone from the airport for the interview. You bet. The receptionist. When I used to do a lot of work on Wall Street, it used to be the shoe shine guy who'd come around and shine everyone's shoes in the trading floor. You know, yep. what do you think of that guy? Right. You know, because they were looking for how they treated people. Yeah. So be related. good to people. Yeah. It's like there's uh, one video I did called the waiter test. And if you're out for a meal with someone who's going to hire yeah. it's uh, it's observing how they deal with the waiter right and yet if you're obsequious about it and you're obviously you're obviously doing it it's obviously not usual for you to be nice to the waiter then it's going to come across kind of phony uh, so instead of going from how is this looking go from um just go from your heart go from a place of actually trying to appreciate and respect everybody around you for real. And it works out so much better. Um, Authentic care works wonders. And as, as Groucho said, if you can fake caring, you can make anyone convinced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Groucho Mark School of Interviewing. Um, one more way, by the way, a couple more ways to show these, these um, intangible soft skills. It's not just also, you also to have social proof for them. So things like teamwork or getting along well with people uh, or communication skills. Um, don't wait until they check your references because they're never going to check your references if they don't like what they saw in the interview and before that. So I always tell people, have LinkedIn recommendations. They'll see that before the interview. They'll already have that in their mind. And sometimes you could even slip in a reference to it. You know, you could say... Um, I have been told, I'm I, very empathetic. Um, you may have noticed that in my LinkedIn profile. Go easy on that. But, um, and one more, one more way you can demonstrate intangible things like emotional intelligence and communication skills is by having stories about it. Um, so uh, a, a good coaching story or a conflict resolution story can show your people skills. And, and you don't necessarily have to wait till they ask for it. It could come up. Oh, but they almost always will ask the people skills and the conflict resolution kind of questions. Especially in leadership roles. You know, yeah. and often what I, I coach people through, because they've heard of the STAR acronym, but I don't believe in STAR for more senior people. Mm -hmm. um, I like SOAR, S-O-A-R, with yeah. the T being substituted for an O for objective, situation, objective, action, okay. result. And the idea becomes it contextualizes it a little bit more. For yeah. a staff person, STAR is perfect. Okay. A more senior person, SOAR works better. Or if you can't remember it, PAR, which is the simplest oh. one, problem, action, result. Yeah, okay. that's really the heart of it. The other things are interesting refinements. Uh, you might want to sometime look up these things. Yeah. I, I wrote a blog post about star versus soar. Um, I use soar in my book. My version of it is situation, obstacles, actions, results. Just to bring out the fact that uh, if you're saying here was the problem and here's how I solved it and here's the result, we may not realize that there was this huge thing that got in the way that made it even harder than it sounds that mm -hmm. you maybe should mention. 
but yeah, objectives is good too, um, to identify, you know, here's what I was trying to accomplish. Uh, yeah. If, if I got you right about what that was about. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And everything works as long as you have it mapped out in your mind into a framework. You don't have to memorize these things. You just have to have a sense because it's your life. You should be able to talk about it. Right. Uh, but to me, again, a minute 15 is as much as you can have an attention span for. And thus, from there, you can go, if you want, I can go into more detail for you. Exactly. That was going to be one of my suggestions about how to keep things short is to make it too short and then say, and that was just really brief. Would you like me to say more about anything? Um, but you talk about this sore thing. That's important. Um, and I mentioned stories earlier and I didn't say much about it. And one of the biggest things to remember about stories, the thing a lot of people get wrong is they'll say, well, this was the problem. And here's what I did. But you've left out, what difference did that make? What was the impact of that? How did that benefit the company? And that's the juicy part. That's the part you really want to say a lot about. Like, like you said, Jeff, you want to quantify what that meant in terms of per percentage of efficiency or in terms of dollars. Um, you want to maybe quote what somebody said about it. Uh, don't shortchange the R in par or soar or star or whatever. It's that R that's really super important. Remember the pirate. Arr. Arr. Maybe that'll help you remember the R <laughs> school of interviewing. <laughs> pirate interviewing. That's my next book. <laughs> number nine. Okay. Number nine. Number nine. Prepare in advance. Yes. And people don't do this, and I'm not sure mm. why. And they wait until an in-person interview is scheduled, but by that point, they may have already goofed up the phone screening. Um, realize that as soon as you put yourself in the job market, and maybe even before, but as soon as you apply to any job, you never know when you're going to get that phone call of somebody saying, do you have a few minutes to chat? Please realize that that chat is an interview. Um, any conversation with somebody about a potential job is an interview. And you need to have worked out in advance a lot of these things we're talking about. So yeah, don't wait, be ready. For me, the first session I do with anyone I coach is my interview framework. And the idea becomes, I want them to have time to practice. Yeah. And, and to, you know, if we do a mock interview second, that's fine. They can do it with a husband, wife, or partner uh, afterwards. Uh, they don't need the mock and they just go through some basic questions as long as the words come out of their mouth and they're not just thinking the answer. You are so right. Our approach is so similar because what I usually do with clients is have a first meeting where we talk about what you might call the framework, the key stuff. What are your key selling points? How are you going to answer? Tell me about yourself in the most strategic way. Uh, we're getting your stories ready. Um, and then I let them go away with that and chew on that and think about it because it takes like about a week to prepare all that. And then we get back together, look at that again a little bit, and then go on to the mock interviewing. So don't think that getting ready for an interview is an overnight thing. Uh, give yourself at least a week to prepare for it. And make, and, your, make your mistakes offline yeah. rather than online. Yeah. Like, like I said, yeah. practice with someone. Yeah. And get feedback. At, Get feedback. Yeah. And, you know, I like uh, doing my coaching by video because I can record the session and send it to them afterwards through Zoom. So yeah. they can see the same things I'm seeing. Yeah. 
and you can critique them and go, oh, that's why he said that. Oh, because right. you have no idea what your habits are like and what your gestures are like and your right. mannerisms are like that either can be too flamboyant, too dramatic, or, you know, you hurt yourself with the mannerism. Right, right. Or maybe you're never smiling and you're just coming off kind of flat, you know, and the excitement isn't coming across and the interpersonal thing isn't coming across. So you need to see that and realize that. Exactly right. So we've covered nine major points here. Yes, we have. Any surprises? Any, any bonus round after this? I'm just curious. Oh, I tried so hard to work it all into nine. Um, we didn't really say anything about clothes or whatnot. Uh, I think a lot of people already know that. But just a, a quickie about that is um, ask the recruiter when they first call you and set up the interview. Ask, um, what do people generally wear on the job there? I know different offices have a different culture and different habits. And um, what would you suggest I wear to the interview? Um, and then another good rule of thumb is, for the interview, dress one level up from how you'd dress to do the job. So if you are uh, looking at a Silicon Valley job, something like that, where you'd be going in in, in jeans and T-shirt and flip-flops, then you don't want to wear a suit to the interview, but you don't want to wear jeans and flip-flops either. You want to go in in nice slacks and, you know, um, a shirt that is not a band T-shirt um, and a nice pair of shoes that are preferably not athletic shoes or sandals. You know, so just just a level up from from where you would on the job. And for video, uh, and, and you know, for video, I always tell people take a look behind you where you're going to be for the video. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> and yes. you know, notice what's there. Someone I was coaching recently, he's got the cross trainer in the room where he does the interview. And I said, uh-huh. "Were you planning on that staying there?" <laughs> That's an exercise machine, right? Yeah, and the. It's distracting. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what is that thing? You know, yeah. And anything that takes someone away from their attention on you mm-hmm. is a liability. It could right. be what you wear. It could be how you speak. Uh, it can be, you know, anything around you uh, on a right. video, in video and, of course, in an in-person interview. Right. And it's easy to get irritated about all this. I understand that. It's really easy to feel like, my God, why are they examining every last little thing about me? Uh, And I understand that. And, you know, you just put yourself on the other side of it and realize that when you first meet somebody, don't you decide within seconds kind of what your vibe about them is, how you feel about them. And that's what's going on there. And then some, because... Uh, interviewers are always a little scared in a way, even if they're not emotionally scared, they're kind of institutionally scared because they know that if they hire the wrong person, it could end up costing them something like, I think uh, a third of the first year's salary to, to um, get that person out and bring a new person in. So they're a little paranoid and that's why you need to be very careful with them. (laughs) It's so true. They are, uh, you know, whether you're an HR or a hiring manager, it's like the candidate is a reflection of the parent. Mm -hmm. So with HR, you send it to a line manager. It's like bringing your eight-year-old over to to visit someone's home. Oh, right. Yes. (laughs) I see. So for HR, they bring it to the hiring. Why did you bring, do you really thought I'd be interested in this person? Uh Uh-huh. And for the hiring manager who 
Statistics say within 18 months has buyer's remorse on more than 50% of the people that they hire. <laughs> Isn't that brutal statistic? I didn't know it was that bad. Wow. It's, it is that bad. But they like going into marriage, they all have that hope that it's yeah. going to end up in a permanent relationship. Uh-huh. And they want to feel as though if they brought you to a meeting with their boss, you'd reflect yes. well on them. So there are lots of little things that like doctors do to screen out. Hiring managers, HR people do the screen out so they can filter down to the core element. Yep. And Thea, this has been fun. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do, the free gift, the website, all that kind of stuff? Okay. Uh, I have a blog. It's for job seekers, a helpful tip article at least once a week. It's called greatjobsooner.com. Great job sooner. It's what everybody wants, right? And if you go there and you subscribe, uh, it promises you a free report on how to stand out in interviews. And that was what I mentioned about identifying your key selling points and whatnot. What it doesn't yet say is that there's two other free gifts as well. <gasps> you can also get, um, like we said, the, um, the how to answer the salary question infographic and a negotiation template that uh, it's like a worksheet that enables you to plan out your negotiation meeting, what you're going to bring up with them, um, you know, uh, what you're going to say after they've made their counteroffer. It's not something to bring in the meeting and look at this with, but it's something to help you prepare so that you know what you're doing. Um, so you can get all those at greatjobsooner.com. And there's also a button there you can click to get a free consultation if you'd like to talk with me about my interview coaching services or my services to help you with your resume, your LinkedIn profile, your job search strategy, just about any aspect of your job search. I would like to help you. Super. And folks, we'll be back soon with someone else with more information, a lot more to help you. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and as is the case with Thea, if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, visit my site, TheBigGameHunter.us. There's a button on the homepage that says Schedule. You can schedule a free discovery call with me or dive right into coaching, whatever serves you best. And I've got thousands of posts there that you can watch, listen to, or read that'll help you as Read well. those, watch them. Yep. There's a ton. It's like more than 7,000. Yep. And now... Learn. Learn is right. <laughs> yeah. And now if you have a, an Amazon product, a, a Fire TV, Fire Stick attached to your TV, what have you, you can download the Job Search TV app and watch my videos there and um, learn in that milieu as well. So uh, I hope you found this helpful. I'll be back soon with more. And in the meantime, hope you have a great day. Be great. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get more from me. First of all, at my website, which is TheBigGameHunter.us, I have more than 7,000 blog posts there that you can watch, listen to, or read that will help you find your next job. While there, if you're interested in one-on-one coaching for me, you can schedule a session, either a discovery call or a coaching session with me by using the button on the homepage that says schedule. You'll see a number of different options. If you just want to have a quick chat to see if coaching makes sense, use the discovery call option. If you want the best of my advice with an emphasis on interviewing, go to JobSearchCoachingHQ.com where I've curated information with a focus on interviewing. 
If you decide to take a lifetime membership at the site, basically what I do is I give you the money back in the form of one hour of coaching with me that you can use as two 30-minute sessions. Thus, the site becomes free. You can also hire me for a resume or LinkedIn profile critique, trusted advisor services, help with a salary negotiation, and much, much more of my website. Like you, I don't work for free. I do charge for what I do. You can also take my classes on Skillshare and become a premium member using the link in the show notes and receive two months for free instead of just the one that the site offers. Skillshare offers thousands and thousands of courses, not just simply mine, but on a host of different subjects that can help you in many different ways. Lastly, join my group on Facebook, which is called Career Angles. It's free to the first 250 members who join and is focused on helping you do better at work. Information is shared daily, and we're attempting to build a supportive group there. Ask to join. I'm not letting recruiters in, so it's a safe place, and you won't get harassed. And I'll be back tomorrow with more, and in the meantime, I hope you have a great day. Be great!